Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Australia's first ever online workplace mental health induction. You can learn more about a custom induction for your business by visiting www.mentallywellworkplaces.com.au. Hey Tina, welcome to uh, the most recent episode of Careers Mental Health Conversations podcast. Thanks Pat, it's It's unusual for me and you to have a chat. I was about to say, it's been a long time since we've had a chat, we've been that busy with other guests and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, How you been? Yeah, really good, yeah, really good. Um, Busy is good, downtime's even better and so our plan for 2020 to keep that work-life balance going we've been really committing to that we have we mm. have it's a it's a friday afternoon it's nice and quiet here so we're just sort of finding some time to well keep people up to date with uh mental health first aid primarily i mean that's that's um one of your favorite courses if not your favorite along with our induction it's something you're very passionate about uh i know you've uh, well you know since the last time we did a podcast on mental health first aid i should address you you are now a principal master trainer I know, so, right? Yeah, how, tell, cool, how cool is that? Tell us a little bit about the Principal Master, how you got that accreditation and uh, what's involved. Yeah, so um, you have to have completed more than 30 courses for the Master Status Accreditation um, and then on top of that, 10 courses, I think, in the year prior. So literally got Master Status um, one week and then the next week they contacted me and say, you've already hit your 10 Uh, I think it's 10, to hit Principal Master. And to keep that Principal Master status, you need to continuously be at at one of the most active. Right, yeah. I wish you didn't have too much trouble with that. No, absolutely. We're running, what, four four courses a month on average uh, and then private courses within different companies and industries. So, But probably a lot's changed uh, in terms of awareness for the course I think over the last 12 months it's probably been that long yeah since we've done a podcast on this that's how busy we've been uh what, what are you seeing out there in terms of not only the organizations that you're training but but the sort of people who are turning up to the public courses as well yeah so I do see Pat that there is a huge difference between the courses that that, that I run in organizations and then the public courses only in terms, because the content remains the same, um, never gets, uh, you know, we never sway from the content. The, the kind of questions that you get asked on a public course and the kind of participants and their experience that you get on the public courses are very different. I love doing them both. I mean, obviously, there's a theme that tends to run through the questions um, uh, and the, you know, and how people take these skills and plan to implement them. But I do notice that there is a difference. And usually I think the difference with the public courses is they tend to be smaller and much more intimate and people share their own stories more. So I've just done a public course this week, just lovely, lovely group. Um, and, uh, and yeah, people tend to share a little bit more anecdotally of what's gone on for them with their own mental health. And then the other participants take so much away from that. Right. Do you think that's in a public course you're less likely to know the people around you, so you're more likely to talk about personal information where I guess in the team situation, you know, you go into a business, 
your colleagues, you might be a little bit afraid to share what's going on in terms of um, experience or people you might know? Absolutely right. So what I find with the workplace courses is that there is a lot less um, sharing of information that could be personal but then people will catch me in um, break times yes uh, which I always um, encourage so will catch me at break times or lunchtime um, or I always make sure that everyone's got my contact details afterwards because part of the the service that we provide through CDC and Mentally Well Workplaces is mentorship ongoing it never ends um, mentorship so that people don't feel as if they're kind of left floating in the wind um, so I'll get emails afterwards asking me specific questions and um, it's just a little less public yeah yeah do you find you have to lighten up the room a bit obviously it's a serious topic I know you like to inject a lot of your humor you think you're quite funny <laughs> hey I don't think I'm funny it's just the feedback I get pal. I can't help that <laughs> I feel like sometimes you steal all my dad jokes in the office like <laughs> interject with them um, but do you does it take a while to to break down the walls a bit or do you try and sort of inject a bit of humour from the get-go, get people relaxed? Always try and keep conversations and topics light where I can. Um, definitely humour. I couldn't deliver a course like that without having a bit of a laugh with people and, and making it quite easy. And I, I, I don't have a lot of difficulty doing that. Um, I, I genuinely like people. And so, you know, I look out sometimes at the sea of faces and um, – and and I can see that there's sometimes a couple of people that are a little uncertain or, or holding back. But by morning tea, we, we've kept things light. We've had a bit of a laugh. The only thing I struggle with um, around that, Pat, is so I've been, for example, at Ipswich City Council a few times now. I think we've got about, I think we could be almost at 80 trained yeah um, which is a great initiative from them by the way fantastic I always have a blast there they're just a brilliant organization but I have to change my jokes because sometimes uh, because with the council sometimes you've got people there that that have got husbands and wives that work there too and they my husband did the course with you last time or my partner did the course and so I have to change my jokes (laughs) because I think well I can't keep rattling off the same one so I've come up with a few new ones recently just kind of inject them in when they're, they're time feels right but we always have a laugh yeah good I I can imagine like more so on the organizations where you go in um, and you train the staff I imagine some people probably not being forced but being made to attend I guess strongly encouraged strongly encouraged to attend and and really not having a great knowledge about what's going to happen think oh god I'm in for a you know, 12 hours of just doom and gloom and and, um, information overload. But then I imagine once they get in there and uh, get to the first tea break and it's jovial, people are having a chat, there's a bit of laughing. I mean, I sit in the office near your training room. So when you're doing the public courses, uh, normally within the first 10 minutes, all they hear is chuckling and a bit of laughter. So it's, um, it's one of those courses where I think, you don't need to know everything before you go in, but keep an open mind, and it's actually quite fun to to learn. I know, right? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? And uh, and I feel as if I'm kind of fair to say that. I mean, we. I think now I've trained um, about 360 people in all um, in mental health first aid. So, and that's over I don't know 45 courses, something like that. I've nailed it, the content. I know that content inside and out. I, you know, the, the, the notes and, and, and everything that's attached to it, the information's in my head. So I know how, I know how to time the course well and I know, how, I know when to make um, 
a joke or have a bit of fun or, or you know or get that interaction going in readiness for maybe the next section that's going to be a little bit heavier yeah um and i know that by doing that um you know by making things a little bit light where i can it brings the, the group together a bit more so that when we do get to heavy stuff we're all kind of a little bit invested in each other yeah you know yeah yeah take i mean it's it's like you said it's serious content mm. but there's times when it's you know it's not a joke and, and you do need to to obviously listen and, and learn and hear other people's um stories and, and taking the content so um but yeah it's it, just for people, I mean, regular listeners would know we, we love the course. We talk about uh, it regularly and, and with guests on, on this show as well. But um, for anyone who hasn't sort of been through the course or what, what sort of content, can you give us like a bit of an overview um, without too much detail yeah. about what you cover over yeah. the two days? Yeah, okay. Um, so this is actually the 20th year that Mental Health First Aid has been around. Um, so the, the content is very sharp very up to date we're on the fourth edition um constantly being updated um and what we cover off on is understanding what mental health first aid is and why we need it and then having a look at some common mental health conditions like depression anxiety disorders um and some less common conditions too um so a psychotic state for example psychosis which features in some severe and enduring illnesses um, and substance use disorders. Um, and there are there are different signs and symptoms to look out for in ourselves and the people around us. Um, and then um, one step along from that is, well, what do we do? So how do I have a conversation with someone that I'm concerned about? Um, a lot of times people are worried that they're going to say the wrong thing um, or they're going to be insensitive. Um, and dare I say, to be stereotypical sometimes Aussies like to just brush things under the carpet a little bit and turn a blind eye um not to say that the Brits don't do that but I think the Aussies are very good at doing that um and brushing stuff under the carpet doesn't make it go away and so knowing you know even just to have that that first conversation around you know I've noticed that you're not your usual self um and I was wondering if there's anything I can do to support you and then where to go from there because often what people worry about too is not only having that initial conversation but what if the person tells me they're really struggling then I'm yeah. out of my depth yeah and so understanding that there is a beginning and end role to a mental health first aider in a workplace in a family in a community that that it's not long-term therapy you can't fix things mm. but we can um uh, work with someone in a collaborative way to get them to the support that they need. Yeah, just Not like that physical we think, injuries. But what they need. Exactly. Yeah. If someone came up to you in, in the workplace and said, I've, I've broken my wrist, I wouldn't what, know what to do. We're not doctors. We, we you know, someone would know uh, some physical first aid, but others, yeah. you know, but you don't need to be a doctor. No. You don't need to have a you know degree in mental Absolutely. health you just need to know that there's a series of steps you can yeah. do to, to help that person so i couldn't fix the broken wrist but no. i do know how to to, to connect someone yes to, to to an expert who does get them to safety get them to help help them um realize themselves how to get there even so yeah a large portion of the course is you know not only knowing about the illnesses but then working out how to assist yourself or others which yeah. i think people find really beneficial absolutely and see one of the things that, that i consistently get feedback on around the course um, are the videos um, of people with real lived experience of illnesses and talking about how uh, it felt for them and their perspective what helped what didn't help um, and uh, and to be frank really I think the section of the course that most people 
um, go home talking about is the section on psychosis. Yes. So misunderstood. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, again, the video that we have there is um, is a really awesome video. Oh, it is, um, isn't it? Video. Yeah. You know, it actually, it I, like. I remember that vividly and it's been a good uh, 18 months since I've done my mental health first aid course. I remember that video. Fantastic. Like, yeah, yeah, that's how good it was and yeah. impactful it was. And and I've seen the videos a million times. And when I train here um, on public courses, I use that when the videos are on, I'll use that time to maybe prepare morning tea or, or, or to, to come and quickly do an email or whatever. But when that video's on, the, the psychosis video, I always make sure I go back in for the last section because there's a guy in the video who talks about what he feels having a serious mental illness has taught him. Um, and that joy lives in simplicity and to revel in the joys. And I can't ever watch that, the end of that video, without getting goosebumps. Yeah, it's right. just yeah. so inspiring. It it's is. fabulous. Yeah. What, what sort of organizations or industry types, so you don't have to name names as such, but yeah, what sort of organizations do you find reaching out to us for you to go in and train? Uh, are they are there particular industries? Is it sort of segments of the market or is it really sort of spread open and wide and diverse? Yeah, I think it's broad. Yeah. It's definitely broad. Um, but I think, uh, you know, in the last six to 12 months, I think um, it's the larger organisations now that are starting to get on board with um, understanding the need to implement some um, mental health solutions in their workplaces and mental health first aid is just one component of that um, but I find that those larger organizations that are doing it are really embracing it and so there's been some excellent initiatives that, that these particular organizations have set up themselves to support their mental health first aiders and to really embed them in their organizations and not just tick a box and say well we've got you know um, 10 mental health first aiders or whatever, um, they're actually taking on board the um, the advice through consultation with us around embedding these um, mental health first aid offices in their workplace um, and backing them up. Um, yeah. So the larger organisations I've noticed more um, are picking this up. But in terms of industries, it is broad, but I do feel that the construction industry now um, are picking it up more and more too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we know that there's um, really high statistics in relation to mental illness and in particular suicide and suicide attempts in construction. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's serious. It's at the forefront. Uh, I, I think what's encouraging to see is new statistics coming out a lot more regularly yeah. now as well. So uh, I think organisations uh, now want more data so they can um, work out a plan. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we all know the Alliance Awareness into Action report released last year, uh, an amazing report, very up-to-date statistics yeah. focused on Australia, which is important. Uh, each each um, continent's a little bit different, but uh, it's good to have local local stats. And uh, I believe the Australian government is actually updating uh, statistics uh, officially um, for mental health in Australia. Is that happening later this year? The or? Health and Wellbeing Survey? Yeah. Oh, I bloody hope so, Pat. Yeah, we've been for waiting God's a while, sake. haven't we? Yeah, 2007 Jeez. statistics, Health and Wellbeing Survey. Um, well, they said 2020, but, yeah. you know, we'll I'm see. not going to get political, but, you know, I've got my <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, 13 years? Come on. We, we oh, can no. do it, all right? But uh, there's some great independent organisations, charities, um, obviously Beyond Blue, Black Dog, always putting out relevant data exactly. and, and case studies uh fantastic 
Now, se- separate to mental health first aid, which we love, uh, we've, we've got our own mental health induction here, which is, is great as an early intervention, awareness, o- online training. What, what other trends are you seeing in, in mental health pop up and, and sort of take note in the industry and, and, and just see people talk about online? Yeah, I'm always um, looking at uh, you know what's coming through with the latest research and stuff because it is it, it it does kind of evolve, but there hasn't really I guess in the last thirty years been any massive breakthroughs um, around treating people with um, with mental health problems. But what I'm looking at at the moment, um, which is in the media a lot, um, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, um, are trials to treat um, depression and even. Um, depression related to kind of end of life so people that have got diagnosis of terminal illness and that are at end of life um, as well as any other um, kind of diagnosis of depression anxiety post-traumatic stress disorder um, using um, hallucinogens to treat the condition right Um, so psychedelics okay so you're hearing that there's trials underway yeah, what I've been reading recently is that there was actually trials for about 15 years back in the, oh, it could have been the 50s or the 60s, I might be wrong, right. but it was it was before there was this huge drive for prohibition for drugs in America um, when every drug that wasn't a prescribed drug was considered to be um, a dangerous drug and that wasn't actually based on medical information to say this is dangerous to people. It was a political drive Mm. um, by the American government to vilify um, people of colour and what other demographic was it? It was people of colour and some other demographic that the um, that the government were trying to vilify at the time um, and so they did this big drive to to say that these drugs are dangerous and that they're now prohibited right. so any trials that they were doing or any treatments that they were doing at the time around psychedelics for example um, were put on hold and now so that there was 15 years uh, of, of treatment and research done then it got binned because it was considered to be prohibited right. or dangerous yeah. um, and now it's starting to re-emerge okay. um, and they're doing trials using um, psilocybin which is a, a component of magic mushrooms okay right um, and so it's it's a really uh, you know I, I guess it's kind of early days but a lot of the outcome the clinical outcomes around it has been really good, really, okay. really interesting. And you do actually experience a trip. You do trip right. whilst you use the it, – it's uh, synthesised psilocybin, so it's not – they don't actually just go and dig up the shrooms. No. Um, they, they create a synthetic version, yeah. which is really expensive, right. apparently, and then you've got to get it shipped into the country, so, uh, you know, wh- whoever's doing the, the trials. And I know they are doing it here in Australia. Okay. Um, and uh, and then use um, a really controlled environment to um, administer the psilocybin yeah. or synthetic um, psilocybin, and the outcomes have been really really promising. Right. So there's already some positive signs from that. And do you think is anyone sort of willing, like doctors or or anyone of that nature, willing to sort of put their foot forward and say yes, this is um, you know a treatment for the future, or is it still a little bit too early? Where do you think it's at? Yeah, I think it's quite early. Yeah, um, because they're still doing controlled trials, um, double blind trials with placebo as well. How yeah. you do that, I don't know. Yeah, because you know, would you not know? Yeah, I'm not tripping. Yeah, so yeah. I haven't got the psilocybin. You but, are, you are right. but then I guess there were times in people's youth. I'm sure when they said, "Oh yeah, you know, they'll feel the effects of alcohol," yeah, and you haven't okay. actually had enough alcohol to feel the effect. <laughs> you know, I can't believe that they get people on the trial doing that. Um, but it is early days. They're doing the double-blind trials, but also um, 
the big pharmaceuticals aren't expected to want to get on board with right. these trials because you don't need to take um, psilocybin like ongoing mm. um, so you wouldn't have to take it every single day to, to keep the effects going I see and so it would be um, you know for some just one experience not just one trip but one experience like of the um, uh, you know on the, the treatment yeah. uh, as far as I know and this isn't my area of expertise this is just what I'm learning yeah. um, and then the effects seem to be kind of consistent and long lasting so you might not need to have another um, experience again so wow. the big farmers aren't going to be interested in that because they're not going to make any money. It's not lucrative enough. Well, that's interesting. That's a isn't bit of a it? watch this space, isn't yeah. it? So you're, you're just sort of seeing a few updates starting to come through about that. I'm and... looking for it everywhere yeah, okay. at the moment. Um, yeah. yeah, so the podcast that I listen to, I'm searching searching it out, um, yep. as well as searching it out online and, and following people on online as well to yeah. see what the updates are. Fascinating. <laughs> Aside from our own, what podcast are you listening to in mental health at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I was t- see, I, I told you this morning that, that the one I stumbled across recently, it's a, it's a podcast by um it's not even a mental health podcast but mental health does feature heavily in this um it's a guy called blind boy it's the blind boy podcast okay and um he's an irish rapper um and he's a really really clever man um experienced mental illness himself and does lots of things to keep him well now um he's a very interesting character he wears a plastic bag on his head right so he doesn't get um uh, recognised as because he's quite famous um, right. in, over in Ireland and, yeah. and over uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, um, but his podcasts are just fascinating. Yeah. Um, he's really philosophical, gets really interesting guests on there, um, and mental health does feature a lot. Um, not only from his own experience, but through he did do a short amount of training, I think, for a few years as a psychotherapist. So he's got some insight there to around treatment. So. Um, the Blind Boy podcast is one that I'm really enjoying. Strongly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you uh, came across him on the Osher's podcast, I believe. And anyone that knows me knows I'm one of Osher's biggest fans. You are. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I heard um, Blind Boy on Osher and was just fascinated by him. Excellent. So that's a good one to, to tune into. I think you can search it on any good podcast uh, platform. Yeah. Now, uh, we're into February of 2020. Um, big year ahead. You've got some international travel for conferences coming up, uh, some national travel. You're very busy here in Brisbane. What are you expecting to see for the rest of the year, maybe in terms of training mental health first aid or just sort of getting out there and doing speaking at events? Like, what are you looking forward to and, and what are you enjoying and, and what do you think the year ahead is going to look like? Yeah, I think to 2020 for us is going to look more um, with businesses taking on whole packages um, of solutions for looking after the mental health of their um, employees. So I think we had some time when mental health first aid was just the go-to mm. um, and, and and not everybody needs to be trained as a mental health first aider. So I think, and we've already started the year off with organisations where we offer the whole package mm. um, uh, in terms of services. So that mental health induction, online induction for all employees and then the workshops, um, bespoke workshops delivered to different levels of teams from ELT to middle managers to staff on the ground. Um, and then your mental health first aid is trained. Um, and then um, the ongoing supervision 
Um, so quarterly supervision for in groups we've got that coming up this year for a couple of our businesses um, and individual sessions as as their mental health first aiders need it um, and so that that I think is going to feature um, quite heavily and already we've got bookings for that set and then when it comes to the speaker events um, you know you, yeah I do I do can, tend to get invited to um, to come and speak just around mental health awareness but I've noticed as well definitely in the last few months that people are wanting something much more bespoke yeah around absolutely. particular things like um sleep or diet yes. or stress or anxiety um so i think i if you know if i had a crystal ball i reckon it'd be showing us that that there's going to be more of that going on this year yeah more sort of niche focus within within mental health yeah and you're right we, so the last two years we've got a lot of inquiries for mental health first aid which we we love obviously and, and we strongly endorse and now i feel like clients are saying yeah and what else yeah like we know that's a, a very great start what else can you provide is there anything else we can tailor um, is there anything ongoing, you know, so we're getting yeah. all those sorts of inquiries, which for me is a positive sign that businesses are actually really trying to take mental health in the work seriously, but get on the, the forefront. Yeah, so do it be, properly. Be, be more proactive instead of reactive. Yeah. And it's still a gradual process and we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, there's been a, a mind shift and I reckon the last six months we've seen that. Oh, More so. if, honestly, if somebody had said to me even, say, five years ago mm. that workplaces would be wanting this kind of training um, and support um, for the, the mental health of their employees, I, I'd have thought we were a long way off. Absolutely. But here we are. Yeah. And, I mean, you said at the top of the show, our 20th year of mental health first yeah. aid, who, who would have known? Like, I know. it's been around for two decades. Exactly. Uh, some people are hearing about it for the first time. Yeah. To, maybe even now. I know. <laughs> on this podcast. Well, just for even this week um, on the public course when I said that, you know, this is the 20th year, um, you know, someone on the course there was saying, I, I, I hadn't even heard of it. There you go. Yeah. Well, we're going to get the message out but far and wide. Yeah, and the more mental health first aid is the better in workplaces. So, yeah. 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 So busy year ahead. Um, I guess, is, yeah, is there anything that, I, you know, before we sort of wrap up the podcast that you wanted to mention or just let people know about in relation to, to training mental health first aid and, and sort of maybe if, if they're a little bit curious and not sure if it's for them, is there something you want to sort of let them know that um, might e- ease, their, ease their worries? Yeah, um, I guess the first thing, would be that you know what a lot of businesses do um, when they're thinking about do we need to be delivering this course to our staff and and training our people up is they'll send a representative along on a public course yes and they do a public course with us and then I've never had anyone come and do that and not pick it up and Mm. take it into a business so there's an opportunity there just to send one of your your staff along to one of our public courses here in Mitchelton or in Woolloongabba um, with our lovely Donna Thistlethwaite, who's doing the courses um, at Wool and Gather for us and other corporate courses for us. Um, so just come along and, and have a bit of a taster um, and then go back into your workplace um, and you know kind of report back on how you felt that the, the training was. Um, and like I say, everyone that does that will go back and then we're, they're on the phone saying, yes, we'd like to book. Yeah. You come into the organisation and do it. Yeah, you get the feeling that people don't want to be the sole mental health first aider. They want to sort of share the journey, yeah. share the experience, and share the education. Yeah. And uh, like like we always say, the you know you can't have enough. <laughs> yeah. In a workplace, but um, at least try and have as many, if not more, than physical health first aiders. So absolutely, because the odds say that you'll use it more. 
No doubt about yeah. it. So busy year ahead, Tina. It's nonstop. Uh, I've, I've been trying to fit you in for some podcasts with other people and at the moment the dates, uh, we just can't. Like you've, you've booked out all over all over Brizzy, the Gold Coast. You're traveling up north. You're, you're down south. So it's, it's fun times and, um, yeah, keep doing the great work and, and spreading the word. It's fantastic. Cheers, Pat. I love it. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.